a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, episode 11. This is our look at the upcoming week 11 games across the NFL, and this episode is so good that we'll make you forget all about week 10. We've got our regular weekly picks, we'll hear from the president, and also fantasy time with the commish. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. Hey, Matt, how's it going, man? It's great, man. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, we can quickly recap last week, which was a bit of a disaster. We were going 5-8 and eight against the spread. Uh, even Woody didn't get it exactly right, but he did push on Thursday night's pick. Um, on the bright side of things, we were... Got two of the three teasers that we put out, which uh, I'm going to do again later in the show. It's really incredible. Last week, our performance was so weak. We were actually approached by the Cleveland Browns for front office jobs. Oh, Jesus. Uh, there was one shining glimmer of light, and that was the 49ers putting the a notch in the 49ers. W. Yeah, baby. CJ Bethard. Ow. Taking us to the promised land. <laughs> Congratulations, my friend. Well, thank you very much. At least we're not the Cleveland Browns. Um, no, they they had a very well. I I mean, it was an inspired performance against anyone, but yeah, when you're beating up on the Giants, take that with a grain of salt. But a win's a win, and we'll take it. There are no points for second place. Dismissed. It's going. The. Uh plaque for the alternates is down in the ladies room all right well let's carry on to the news of the week adrian claiborne defensive end for the falcons registered six sacks against the cowboys who managed just seven points in the entire game sean lee left the game with hamstring injury zeke's gone for another five I think it's time to stick a fork in them, even ahead of the Thanksgiving game against the Chargers. Thus, for another year, we get to exercise our schadenfreude as our boy Jarrah and America's team takes one right in the glory hole. I want me some glory hole. Commissioner Roger Goodell made an unannounced appearance at a bar in the East Village to mingle with football fans last Thursday night. He hung out, played trivia, had some drinks, and took photos with anyone who asked. But he still had one big surprise up his sleeve. Roger Goodell gave four tickets to the Super Bowl to a lifelong Seahawks fan named Heather. After hearing the story, it was reported that some Cleveland Browns players flew to the Big Apple this Thursday to see if their luck could earn them some tickets to the big dance. Everyone will participate in education sessions starting in the next month. Ow! This thing is broken! We can add... And we will do more. Do more. Do more. Do more. Get all the NFL owners on Skype. The, the thing is broken again. U.S. goalkeeper Hope Solo has accused former FIFA president Sepp Blatter of sexual harassment. The World Cup winner, 36, says the incident happened at the 2013 Ballon d'Or Awards before she went on stage to present an award. 
In an interview with Portugal newspaper Expresso, Solo said, I had Sepp Blatter grab my ass, end quote. Now, when Sepp Blatter was reached for comment, he said he wasn't trying to cop a feel. He honestly thought she had an envelope with cash for him stuffed down her pants. Ezekiel Elliott has gotten away from the spectacle of Big D and is training at an undisclosed location. He's rich. The league believes that he's guilty of several physical confrontations with his girlfriend in 2016. Let's see where the most logical place that he could go. Well, he could run for Senate in Alabama. Then he realized he's in the NFL, and that's not a bad place to be if you want to keep your job as a woman beater. Well, here's a story involving a wealthy, powerful, arrogant, egomaniac threatening litigation against those who believed wronged him. Nah, we're not talking about Donald Trump. We're actually referring to Jerry Jones, who is taking on some NFL ownership heavyweights. This could create a fundamental shift in the way the league is run. By the way, it was reported that Roger Goodell had requested, as a part of his compensation package, an annual salary of $49.5 million, lifetime access to his own private jet, and also health care coverage for his family. I don't know what ailments his family suffers from, but I'm sure he could cover the bulk of it out of the 50 mil. If not, he could move to Canada, where his current salary would be the equivalent to 49.5 million Canadian dollars. He would have access to universal health care for his entire family, and instead of a private jet, he could get his own snowmobile to travel around on. This is uh, the hit single section of our album. Good day. Good day. Uh, Getty Lee is here from Rush. Uh, hi, Getty. I'm Bob McKenzie. This is my brother, Doug. How's it going, Getty? Oh, it's going pretty good. Good day, eh? Good day. Good day. Okay, so if you'd like to uh, put on uh, a toque and some headphones, we can uh, do the hit single now. Sure. Okay. I, that'd be great. Do you, you have the lyric sheet? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I memorized them. Oh, great. Beauty. How okay. did how did you do that so fast? I'm a professional. Eh? Oh, <laughs> we'll just sit over here like while you're singing, eh? Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Okay. Good luck, eh? Good okay. Luck. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's good. A note to our listeners regarding Thanksgiving week. One more time, we will have an almost wise guys podcast covering the three Thursday games that will be available on Wednesday afternoon. A time for you to hit the wicket, and a second one taking a look at the rest of the games, which will be available uh, either late Friday or sometime on Saturday. So look forward to that. Look at that, the turkey. Well, why know. you don't know? You call the turkey Brad hole, Johnson but you don't call it. But let me show you what the turkey hole is. Well, it's time to fire it up with our weekly picks. All right, let's uh, let's hit Thursday and see what Woody thought. Uh, by the way, Woody turned three years old this week, which in dog years is 21, which technically makes him one week older than Juju Smith-Schuster, who will be turning 21 next week. Let's see if this factors into his pick or if he thinks these young punks don't know what they're doing. Spoiler alert, not a fan of Big Ben. And speaking of Thursday games, let's look back to last Thursday's game. 
where Richard Sherman suffered an injury where he's out for the season. His teammate Doug Baldwin uh, is the latest player to voice his contempt for Thursday football. And I quote, the shit should be illegal. The Seahawks wide receiver said of Thursday after Sunday games, according to Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune. It's not okay. It's not okay. You can quote me on that. This is not okay. Absolutely. Guys do not have enough time to recover. You can't recover in four days. His teammate Richard Sherman is now out for the rest of the season. The leader on the Legion of Boom. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say. We've been lobbying for this all year, and we will continue to do so for now in a nonviolent way. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! 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 Lions and tigers and bears. You won't be seeing any tigers unless the professional baseball team from Detroit hops on the Lions' flight to O'Hare. We do have Matthew Stafford going into the Witty Cindy, looking pretty sharp, coming off a big win last week, albeit against the Browns. Right now, the Bears are sitting as three-point home dogs. Right now, there are six starters on defense that are listed as out or questionable. Matty, you're a Bears fan. Guess how many red zone appearances per game they are averaging this year? I couldn't tell you, but it can't be many. 1.0 exactly. Yeah, that is pretty terrible. However, the Bears have been doing it with you know, great defense and special teams. They have a pretty respectable record for a team whose offense is so weak that if their offense were coffee, it'd be decaf. Uh, at least four of those defensive players listed as questionable for this week will be in the lineup come Sunday. We also always know that Matt Stafford looks like Joe Montana at home, but looks like Jay Cutler on the road. Expect the late November weather in Chicago and the winds off of Lake Michigan to make Stafford's job a little bit more difficult. The Lions may end up, you know, with the win on the money line, but I think this game gets decided by three points or less. Um, well, that's a pretty tight margin to be working with. I'm going with the Lions on the road. I just don't like the way the Bears look this year. Burn on, big river. Burn on. Burn on, big river. Burn on. Now we go to a city where the river fire was just put out not too long ago. It's uh, Cleveland taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Cleveland are seven-and-a-half-point home dogs. Yeah, you know what? I, m- I made a commitment four weeks ago to not pick the Browns again, and so far to date, that's paid off handsomely. Uh, we were a little reluctant last week to take the Lions against them at a double-digit spread, but that decision looked tenuous even in the fourth quarter, but the Browns did not disappoint. No disrespect to Paul Brown is this legally is not the same franchise, but I believe they're aptly nicknamed due to all the bed shitting that takes place on the team. Well, that being said, even though Jacksonville, who's an oppressive six and three, they still are very shaky with the quarterback position. Their defense is playing lights out. The Blake Bortles is playing like there is no light. He threw he threw two interceptions in the last two minutes of the game against the Chargers. They won an overtime despite Bortles. Uh, Browns are 2-7 and seven against the spread this year. No surprise. I think 
it's possible that the Jags' defense scores more than seven and a half points. And I'm not falling for the hook. I'm taking the Jags. Arizona, Houston. Houston is uh, just one point dogs at home. Well, you've got Blaine Gabbert versus Tom Savage. And as a 49er fan, I actually saw quite a bit of Gabbert last year. He actually impressed me. Um, He's got a really fluid throwing motion. And his legs are good. I mean, he ran for a lot of first downs when they needed it. Um, He's not known as a scrambler, but he's pretty fast. And uh, I'm going to give the quarterback edge to Blaine Gabbert on this one. And the football fans in Houston aren't really getting a barn burner here, are they? I mean, combined, no. you know, these two teams have more bodies down than a Chinese cemetery. So it's really just a battle of who has the deeper bench. Uh, because of the uncertainty, this is a game I'd just like to stay away from. Unless you're a hardcore who bets on every game, uh, there's better value for your dollar in some of the other matchups this weekend. Well, we're... Uh... We're legally obligated to make a pick here, so I'm going home team one-point dog. Yeah, I'll take the homers as well. Uh, Tampa Bay, Miami, and uh, Miami's at home, but this one's a pick This, of course, was the week one game that was postponed due to Hurricane Irma. And I hate playing games on the recency effect, but Tampa Bay kind of surprised me last week. Uh, They played, Fitzpatrick played pretty well. Well, you know, he's a Harvard guy. And Miami didn't do anything uh, but confirm my suspicions. Their defense didn't play well. Jay Cutler was Jay Cutler. Um, I don't think they're riding the ship. And when I say ship, I mean that big pirate ship that the Buccaneers ride. With this line floating, floating close to a pick'em, I'm not sure whether I'm going to be taking or laying the points, but I will be on Tampa Bay. Oh, really? I thought you was laying. I'm laying. No, no, I'm taking it. I was taking it. You sure? I'm positive. Well, I'm a little confused. You look confused. Maybe if I stick your fucking face through this window over here, like, you know, you'll, you'll get unconfused. Give me the fucking money. Now we head up north to Minnesota, who are two and a half point favorites over the uh, surprisingly awesome L.A. Rams. That was Minneapolis native Prince singing about Purple Rain. And there has been a lot of purple raining down on the league this year. Purple people eaters, that is. Their defense has been opportunistic. And even without Dalvin Cook, they're running the ball. And Case Keenum has proven himself a very legitimate starting quarterback. Now, that being said, Zimmer said he might put in Teddy Bridgewater. Bullshit. Not going to happen. He's just saying that to confuse the Rams. You're not going to confuse Wade Phillips. He's just trying to give him something a little extra to think about. They're playing really well on offense right now, and there's no reason to disrupt that. So look for uh, look for Keenum to start under center. I think this is going to be one of the best games on the docket this week. I agree. Uh, yeah. Uh, both teams have been playing really well. 
this, the Vikings have looked good, but I think the Rams have really actually looked even better. Um, they have actually single-handedly covered uh, the total on three different games by themselves. I like them to go aggressively after the corners on Minnesota and look for Bumson to dial up a pretty good defensive scheme for the Vikings' rushing attack. You probably won't have the luxury too many times more this year to grab the Rams as dogs. Do it here. Yeah, these two offenses are on fire, and I agree this is going to be one of the best games of the week. Uh, in fact, this game could harken back to the 90s when Culpepper and Moss were lighting it up in Minneapolis and the greatest show on turf made the Rams and their former grocery clerk turned quarterback Super Bowl champions. Uh, expect a shootout here. Two young quarterbacks, they're going to try to outdo one another, get some better press, right? And Goff and Keenum um, are two of the league's best young prospect, and this game is going to be a showcase for their skills. Uh, both teams 7-2 and two, and are like so evenly matched. Like I'm finding it hard to go one way or the other. However, I did see the Vikings give up 30 points to the injury-riddled Redskins. And I think uh, Goff and Co. can at least match that. And I also think their defense forces a couple turnovers. That's going to be the difference in the game. I like the Rams covering on the road. Let's head to the Big Apple for Kansas City at the New York Giants. And the Giants are 10-point underdogs in their own house. Uh, Andy, has the line really factored in enough of the Giants sucking? Uh, 10 points seems kind of low. I was thinking it'd be like 12 and a half, 13 and a half uh, point spread there. Um, actually, it, it was at 13 at one point this week. Um, I, I mean, obviously, somebody's betting on the Giants. I'm not exactly sure who they are. Um, maybe it's the McAdoo family uh, <laughs> coming in with some sharp money. But, I mean, that Giants roster has a chart with less depth than a Vin Diesel movie. We all know uh, Casey's story. They started the season 5-0, and but since then they lost three of the last five, and everyone knows how good Andy Reid is coming off a bye. Uh, he's 16-2 and two straight up with an extra week to prepare, uh, but more importantly for our purposes, he's 14-4 and four against those spread in those 18 games. I know what Chiefs team we're going to see. They're going to play well. They're going to run the ball well. They're going to throw the ball well. They're going to be opportunistic on defense. I don't know what Giants team we're going to get. I haven't a clue. I don't think it's going to be a good one. Um, they're the only team in the league this year that has not covered a spread at home. I don't see that changing this week. So even with a big point spread, uh, I'm taking the Chiefs. When the Saints, when the Saints come marching in, marching in, when the Saints come marching in, marching in, Dare Saints marched right the hell into Buffalo, put down a complete ass whooping on the Bills, and uh, proceeded to march the hell home where they find themselves seven and a half point favorites against the resilient yet uh, very banged up professional football team from Washington. Yeah, these guys are on fire, and they're getting it done with a badass defense, a balanced offensive attack. And the first time in recent memory, they're not relying on Breeze to throw for a million yards and a thousand pass attempts each week. Just like the week previously against the Seahawks, I think Washington played a gutsy game against the Vikings, throwing up 30 points. But they're just they're just too banged up right now. And 
The Saints are on fire. Uh, they won their last six straight. I think they cover the spread here at home quite handily. Mile high, we've got uh, Cincinnati, the Bungles, rolling into the Broncos. Denver, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Well, this certainly isn't the same Bengals-Broncos matchup of the 80s that featured Boomer Esiason and John Elway, uh, two number sevens who would regularly face off. This week features the Red Rocket going up against, well, we don't know who. Red Rocket! Red Rocket! <laughs> Red Rocket! Red Rocket! Come on! Carmen, what the hell are you doing? I'm milking the dog. They make dog milk. No, they don't. Yeah, just hold on a minute. The fifth grader showed us how to do it. Red Rocket! Come on, dog. Red Rocket! Uh-huh. Oh, cool! Osweiler's got a bum shoulder. Paxson Lynch, who has thrown for less than 500 yards in the NFL. Or Trevor Simeon, the savior from Northwestern. Neither team really cries for my support. The Bengals have actually lost... I think, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure they've lost their last 10 in a row on the road when they're the underdog. Denver hasn't even passed Stevie Wonder's eye test. Hey, you the motherfucker I be doing Stevie Wonder? That shit ain't funny, motherfucker. Don't you never let me see you do that shit again. I'll fuck you up. Stevie Wonder's a musical genius. I think with so much uncertainty in Denver, I'm going to take Cynthia's the dogs. to Mexico City, where uh, Oakland is technically the home team, and they're uh, playing the Super Bowl champion New England Patriots, Oakland's seven-point dogs. Yeah, you know what? Uh, The Patriots, who kicked the crap out of the Broncos last week, actually stayed in Denver, and they were practicing at the Air Force Academy. They did this to acclimate to the 7,200-foot elevation that they'll be playing at in Mexico at, let me get this right, El Estadio Azteca. Oakland, a city that is exactly at, or depending on where you're standing, is slightly below sea level, which is exactly where the Oakland Raiders practice this week. You think Belichick just does a lot of little things a little bit better than everyone else? The stadium in Mexico has a seating capacity of 87,000. Compare that with the LA Chargers venue at the StubHub Center with a total capacity of 27,000. And this game's in Mexico City, where the air is so thick with pollution you can cut it with a knife. I'd say if the players escape without contracting chronic pulmonary issues, it's a win all around. Yeah, so we've got the uh, the Bill and Tom show going on the road south of the border. Uh, this opened up at 6.5. It's now moved to 7. I don't see it bumping off that touchdown, but yeah, uh, there's no reason to uh, to not pick the pads here. What are you, senores and senoritas? There is plenty more where this cheese come from. Epa, 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 epa. Sunday night football. 
Philadelphia is rolling into Big D, and they're hoping to roll over Big D and Dallas four-point underdogs in their own house. Well, I'm going to point out two things here. Philly's off a bye, and Dallas has Ezekiel Elliott out, Sean Lee's out, and left tackle Tyron Smith out. Sean Lee's the big name there, I think. Although Elliott's the big-time offensive talent, uh, Sean Lee's the heart and soul of Dallas's defense, and they statistically they just don't play as well when he's not in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Elliott being out also puts more burden on the Cowboys' passing game, but the Eagles' defense won't have to really respect the run, so they're going to be sitting back there waiting to make a play on the you know any ball in the air, and that just takes away the effectiveness of the quarterback and the receivers. Uh, the Eagles are on their way to winning the NFC East. Dallas losing their grip on a wild card spot in the NFC. Expect this narrative to continue. Philly goes into Dallas, reenacts deliverance in front of the entire country in prime time. A squeal, squeal. All Andy's friends are dropping by for Monday night, and they're going to see the Shithawks taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Seattle's two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen Atlanta in different lights this year. Um, Jekyll and Hyde, not entirely sure which one shows up. They'd had a great performance at home against the, the Cowboys, but that was without Zeke. Now we're at Seattle. Seattle doesn't have Richard Sherman, but now um, Earl Thomas has been confirmed that he's going to be back in the lineup, which is a big game changer. Um, I think he's actually more valuable to the team than Richard Sherman has been this year. Their running game is kind of finding their legs. Their defense is playing well. I don't... I. They still don't have an offensive line to speak of. And you saw what... Uh, you saw what the young man from Atlanta did against uh, Dallas with six sacks last week. I don't, I don't think he's going to put up a half a dozen again. But with that offensive line, R- Russell Wilson's going to get a lot of mileage uh, being chased around the pocket. So, yeah, right now, looking at the spread at under a field goal on a primetime game at home, I, I'm going to pick the Seahawks. Well, the weather in Seattle's not going to be too bad or not as bad as it could be in November and uh, I think that uh, Matty Ice is a total road warrior. Um, this game is almost a pick 'em, really, but I think Atlanta's going to upset Seattle at home. Yeah, ever since I was a boy, I've always loved the Atlanta Falcons. All right, now we dial up the White House. We got our hotline right to President Trump. Uh, he's a big fan. We met him at a learning annex once, and uh, we sat in the crowd and listened to him talk about himself for two hours. That was uh, well worth the 250 bucks. Yeah, well, we're especially appreciative of getting his input this week as he's done a uh, big road trip to Asia, um, doing some good work over there. Anyway, first question. Mr. President, Teddy Bridgewater, who is now back in the active roster for Vikings and may even start this week, He has had his quarterbacking abilities questioned due to his small hands. As a man suffering from the same affliction, what advice would you give to him to silence his critics? He hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? (laughs) 
didn't. He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee it. Mr. President, this week the New England Patriots and the Oakland Raiders will play in Mexico. Rob Gronkowski is listed at 6'5 with a 33.5-inch vertical leap. What do you think the Raiders' defensive front seven need to do to slow him down? The wall just got 10 feet taller. The wall just got 10 feet higher. The wall just got 10 feet higher. One more follow-up question. This technically is a home game for the Oakland Raiders. How should the league reconcile the loss of revenue that the Davis family will realize as a result of this game being played in Mexico City? Mexico is going to pay for it, and they'll be happy to pay for it. Trust me, Mexico will pay for it. And now to our good friend, the Commish, uh, the commissioner of my fantasy football league. And uh, he likes to drop by every now and then and talk a little fantasy. You know, Mr. Kamish, most fantasy-related websites like NFL.com offer weekly projections on how a particular player might perform. Do you find much value in these numbers, and are there any other websites that you recommend people to check out before they activate their roster? Well, it really depends on what kind of league you're in. If it's a for-fun league, sure. The numbers on NFL.com or ESPN's app are probably fine for whatever you're looking at. But if you are a serious fantasy player and you're looking for some of the best projections, there's a few different sources. One I really like is a site called The R Script. They've got a, a tool you can download for comparing the projections from a bunch of different sources. They use about 13 different sources to combine all that info and give you the most accurate uh, numbers possible. Now, if you're just looking for one source, Fantasy Football Analytics has the most accurate projections over the last five years. Why? Average score sources. Uh, Combining the sources of projections removes some of the individual judgment basis or error and gives them a more accurate fantasy projection. No single source, CBS, NFL, ESPN, reliably outperformed the others or the crowd. So suggesting that the difference between them are likely due in large part to chance. Uh, Crowd projections are more accurate than individual judgments for fantasy football projections. People like to go with their gut when picking players. That's fine. Fantasy football's a game. Do what's fun for you. But crowd projections are the most reliably accurate of any source. Tight ends like Rob Gronkowski and uh, paper mache Jordan Reed seem to be eternally riddled with injuries, and they're often game-time decisions. What's the best way to determine their status, truly identify their status, and identify if they're even going to be productive on a given Sunday? Tight ends, like any other player, are going to get hurt throughout the season. Keep your eye on the injury report every week. In addition to monitoring intriguing players, always be aware of their status in regards to injury. Let's say one of your players has a lingering hamstring injury, and it's significantly affecting his performance. Consider signing another free agent at that position. Uh, Analyze recent trends and stats. During the season, sort the most recent player stats from the last month or the last week. In November, you need a hot player, not a guy who's had a big game in September and has since gone cold. Keep an eye on it. It's a crapshoot, but if you do your homework, you're going to get your info. We're now at the point where some guys have no chance of winning their league this year. In the case of a keeper league, what's the best way to maximize RODP, you know, return on draft picks for the following season? So you had a rough season in your keeper league this year. You're looking to improve next year. Uh, Some owners are going to go all out try and win now with more veterans at the expense of the future. Other owners prefer to stockpile youngsters. And they have the aim of winning in the future. So let's talk for a second about 
trading keeper league draft picks. Uh, often trades are more important in keeper leagues than in redraft leagues. In keeper leagues, you can often ride one good decision for years. Keeper leagues provide you with a little more flexibility when it comes to trading as you are now able to trade future draft picks, just like real sports leagues. In most cases, no one player is worth more than one first-round pick. Keep that in mind. Future first-rounders are very valuable commodities because they enable you to grab potential superstar rookies and solid veteran players that might also be available. Conversely, middle and late-round picks hold less value in your keeper league because most keeper leagues will have the top, let's say, 36 to 48 veteran players at a minimum off the board before the draft even begins. So drafting early is often about nabbing the top rookies. Usually beyond the first couple of rounds you're in a boomer bust territory with your rookie picks. Never overestimate a player's worth. Imagine an owner wanting a player so much that they trade three future first-rounders to acquire them. And it does happen. And although you may have a player and even own his jersey, don't go out of your way to mortgage your team's future to get him. Production is what matters. Remember, you're a GM, so run your team like one. Now's the time we get Andy to reach into his bag of goodies and give us a couple of nuggets of gambling gold in a little segment we like to call the Prognosticator's Potpourri. Picture January 29th, 1995. The San Francisco 49ers beat the San Diego Superchargers in Super Bowl 29. This was the last time that two teams from the same state played each other in the season's final game. Call this a mini prognostication but I think you might see a battle of Pennsylvania this February between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, I mentioned earlier that I was going to throw out a couple teasers, so here they are. Uh, The first two have something in common. The first is Green Bay, who is at home as two-point dogs. The second are the LA Rams on the road as two-and-a-half-point dogs. So dial those up to eight and and eight-and-a-half respectively, and I think you get a pretty good cushion there. The last one is a favorite at home, and that is the New Orleans Saints, or seven-and-a-half-point favorites. A six-point teaser puts them both under the touchdown and the field goal to cover against Washington. A fairly safe proposition in this spot. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Nerds! 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 Thank you to all our fans for listening to episode 11 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all Week 11 games across the NFL. Thanks again to the Commish for stopping by for a fantasy chat and also President Trump for his insights. From the Cosa Nostra Studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. South of the border. Down Mexico way That's where I fell in love When the stars above came out to play And now as I wander My thoughts ever stray South of the border Down Mexico way She was a picture in old Spanish lace Just for a tender while I kissed the smile upon her face Cause it was fiesta 
we were so gay South of the border Mexico way Then she sighed as she whispered manana Never dreaming that we were parting And I lied as I whispered manana Cause our tomorrow never came South of the border I jumped back one day There in a veil of white By the candlelight She knelt to pray The mission bells told me That I mustn't stay South of the border Mexico way Mission bells told me, ding dong, that I must not stay, stay south of the border, down Mexico way.